Welcome to Family Business Today, where we feature prominent local and national family business owners. We also talk to top family business experts to discuss relevant topics, including communications, business culture, family relationships, succession and estate planning values, as well as conflict resolution. Brought to you by the Tennessee Center for Family Business, I'm your host, Greg Lewis. Our guests today are Lisa William and Carver Morgan. Lisa Bouchard Morgan is a fifth generation family member of John Bouchard and Sons Company, a company that began as a machine shop and has been a part of Nashville's business infrastructure for over 100 years. Lisa is now the chairman and CEO of John Bouchard and Sons. She protects the rooted history and rich values of the Bouchard family while fanning new sparks of innovation and change at John Bouchard and Sons. William Morgan joined John Bouchard and Sons in 1986 after working for Exxon's offshore operations. William serves as president and manages day-to-day operations. Carver Morgan joined John Bouchard and Sons in 2014 after spending three years in the corporate world. He has served as company historian, as interim safety director, and in various project management roles. He currently co-leads the John Bouchard and Sons Machine Shop. Well, good morning, Lisa and William and Carver. I am so glad that you could join me today for this edition of Family Business Day podcast. John Bouchard and Sons has been had such a great part of the Nashville business community. I've really been looking forward to our interview to learn more about your family business's story. Thanks for having us. Yes, good morning, Greg. Well, good, good morning. morning. Thank you. Thank you all for being with us. Well, let's, you know, uh, uh, for a company that's been around for 121 years, let's start off with a history uh, lesson. You know, y'all have been around since 1900, but uh, Mr. John Bouchard's history really even goes back even further the 1900. So how was your family business founded? Uh, tell us a little bit about the family tree that's led to where John Bouchard and Sons is today. Sure, Greg, this is Carver. Um, my parents gave me the privilege of getting to study the family history uh, a couple of years ago. So great. I bite this one off. Um, so John Bouchard was one of nine children. He was born in Quebec, Canada in 1850, uh, 1863. No, I'm sorry, 1837 is when he was born. Um, so we were found in 1900. He was, uh, what did that put him in? 63. In his 60, 63. 60. Yeah, when he, he was 63 when he uh, started the company, which is interesting. But anyways, he immigrated to New York when he was a child, and he learned to be a machinist and an engineer from his father. Um, so really, the lineage of construction engineering goes back even farther than him, you know, to his dad. Mm. Uh, he got married and they moved to Chicago um, in 1863 and he was there during the Great Chicago Fire um, and he ultimately got into the meatpacking industry um, and he rose up to being the master mechanic for what was the actually the largest meatpacking uh, company in the nation at that time is Armor and Company and uh, he had about 75 men who worked for him directly and he's a very innovative guy he um actually has three U.S. patents, um, some just sort of mechanical devices for the meat packing industry, uh, as well as a refrigeration machine at the time. Um, his sons had moved to Nashville in the 1890s, and so 
sometime around eight, uh, 1900, just before that, he, he moved to town. And so they started uh, John Bouchard and Sons Company uh, in 1900, uh, actually in the same location, same building as where we are today. We have obviously added on over time, but some of the same structures here uh, on the corner of Harrison Street and along with Avenue North in Nashville. Um, but he, uh, his oldest son, John E. Bouchard, became the president. Um, and John E. Bouchard had one son and one daughter. So, you know, in that era, naturally his son became the president after him. So he was John E. Bouchard Jr., who was the third one. Um, and he actually became president at, at 29 years of age. Um, his father died fairly young, I guess. And he also had one son and I think two daughters. And uh, of course, two daughters. Yeah, so that's my great aunts. But so that, that's my granddad. And so Johnny Bouchard III became president and he was uh, kind of thrust into that role when he was 35, uh, which we can talk about more later, but he had, uh, had three daughters. So one of which is my mom. Very good, very good, very good. Well, wow, what a, what a rich, rich history. Uh, yeah, you talk about 1900, 121 years, but you're really going back even really years before that. Well, let me ask you a question. Why do you think it's so important to tell the backstory of a family brand, both to future generations for uh, em, uh, employees, team members, and really also to your customers you serve? Well, you know, Greg, when, when somebody comes to work here, there there is so much history. It it almost mm -hmm. they almost are curious immediately to know what the story is. I mean, there's just you can't get away from it. So that's one reason we tell it. But we also think that um, if a foundation's good, um, then your business will be sound. If you if you fly off without your foundation, mm -hmm. then you your footing. So our story is part of our foundation and we believe in replicating the important parts of that story. That's what's going to keep us going. Mm -hmm. So um, we're, we're really more than a business making profit. We've literally had our hands on the building of um, Nashville and all the states around us for over a hundred years. We've in a sense, someone, uh, a historian coined the phrase that we've mechanized the Mid-South. Mm. So that's a big story. And um, when people join our team, they really are getting to become part of a story, not just getting a job. Um, so it's the first thing we tell them about. And the value in that is um, what we want to instill in them to make, again, their job even more important to them. Um, we've even got some people working here that have worked for us for more than 45 years. Right. Wow. So, um, so this building of Nashville... Uh mechanizing the Mid-South, a solid foundation. You've, you've already told us a little bit about the history of John Bouchard. Can, can you talk a little bit more on some of the innovations and changes that made the company what is what it is today? I know I, I, I uh, saw some things on the video about ice plants and about your casting facility. Sure. So um, the term my granddad left in a lot of our heads was be flexible, be flexible. And... Uh, <laughs> I think that kind of goes along with maybe three points. I think over the years, JBS followed technology innovations, um, also followed markets. And then ultimately that was all, all onto creating value for customers and what are the new ways that customers uh, have needs and 
how can we create more value for them? So, um, you know, you mentioned the refrigeration industry. That was really one of the first uh, places we were very strong. We built, uh, we really designed and built a lot of ice plants uh, in the early 1900s all around Middle Tennessee and Kentucky and Alabama and even further than that. So that got us into kind of mechanical contracting and the electrical motors that go with it and piping and, you know, as refrigeration technology changed and moved more towards HVAC and the company put in some of the early HVAC systems in the movie theaters in downtown Nashville. Um, actually the, uh, the first Vanderbilt hospital, we put the refrigeration system in there. Um, and also the Hermitage hotel, which was the first million dollar building in Nashville. Uh, we put the refrigeration system in there. So, you know, as those technologies have changed, we've continued to be in mechanical contracting and plumbing. And so that got us into fire sprinkler systems, which is also pipe. And during the World War II years, there was a lot more factories being built, um, serving the war effort and otherwise. Mm -hmm. And we put the sprinkler system in the old Avco plant, which is then known as the Volte Aircraft. Mm -hmm facility in Nashville and so just kind of evolved with the times the uh you know we started as a machine shop um and they had the small foundry as part of that machine shop that made parts uh to repair machines and to build some of these refrigeration machines and um that foundry you know, over time as Nashville started needing castings uh we designed one of the first if early if not the first uh manhole covers for the city of Nashville and, um, you know, municipalities grew, particularly after the World War II era, and we just kind of got further into that, and so we kind of go on and on in, in the machine machine shop, too, as municipalities grew, there's more water treatment systems and water treatment facilities, and we got into a lot of pump repair and pump sales, and then other types of rotating equipment, which ultimately led us to getting into the air compressor business. Uh, in the 90s and selling and servicing industrial air compressors and that business has evolved and um, we've kind of followed that into working in all of Kentucky and Indiana on industrial air compressors as well so it's just kind of it's a long rambling story I think to try to put 121 years together but ultimately <laughs> sort of following technologies and markets and then um, staying focused on providing value for customers yeah yeah Thank you, Carver. Yeah, I think, yeah, uh, be flexible, be flexible. Uh, you know, uh, 121 years, Great Depressions, World War II's. Uh, uh, now we have a, a, a pandemic that's uh, uh, had economic and environmental uh, effects upon uh, our business. Yeah, there's a lot of things have changed uh, since 1900. So how, how about, um, what are you uh, uh, pivoting today uh, uh, due to the pandemic? I know that last year was a tough year for, for everyone. Uh, how, how did uh, uh, John Bouchard and, and Sons pivot uh, due to the pandemic? So, so Greg, this is William. And, um, you know, as I listened to Carver talking about our history, one thing that kind of falls out of that is um, what, what's the common thread mm -hmm. and um, the common thread really is infrastructure uh, right. that most of what we do is the infrastructure that helps companies do what they're doing we 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 essentially 
help build the roads, help the water and sewer plants to run, help the industrial plants to operate. We, we even help Starbucks keep their coffee machines going. And um, so as we went into the pandemic, you know, I remember the day that, that the very first kind of order from government came out to, uh, to stay, stay home from work. Mm -hmm. and uh, back a year ago. And, and really, it was at that moment that um, we once again reminded ourselves that we're about infrastructure. Um, a lot of people have, over the last year and a half, talked about essential workers. And um, it became apparent that weekend as we were discussing, okay, what do we do? Well, we are essential workers. We are the people that help keep the infrastructure going. We have serving people in hospitals, helping them keep their systems going. And like I said, water plants, water plants. So, so heading in the pandemic, what we found was that um, we, were, we were called by who we are to keep working. We were called by many of our customers um, contractually mm. to keep working. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, we got the we got the letters in the mail saying that they were essential workers. They were required to keep working and therefore you must keep fulfilling your contract or fulfilling the, the delivery of equipment that we're selling or mm -hmm. services we're providing. So, um, so we had to simply, well, not simply, but we had to figure out how to put in place uh, the policies and practices and procedures to protect our people in the middle of this pandemic while they're out there working. So we got knee deep in all of the social distancing, masking, and everything you, you can think about is, is what you do to, to protect yourselves. And mm -hmm. so it's been, um, you know, with God's grace and blessing, our, uh, our employees have all um, made it through that. We've certainly had a number of cases within the company, um, but our people have, have made it through when, when they've gotten ill. And so, uh, um, and through that whole process, we've been able to keep something like 98% of our workforce working um, through the whole time. And uh, so it's, it has been another way just to remind us, as Lisa said, we, we've mechanized the Mid-South. Um, <laughs> we're involved in in keeping keeping our market areas going, running, and operating, and, mm -hmm. and so um, it's it's kind of a time that we get to realize, wow, uh, what a privilege it is to do what we do. It's also a responsibility, and uh, it's a responsibility to keep working. And it's for us, it's been a responsibility to keep our employees healthy and safe. So mm -hmm. it 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 has been. Uh, it's been quite a ride. It really has. <laughs> well, well, and it's ongoing, as you know. It's sure, ongoing. Sure, sure, sure. And thank you, thank you for for sharing that. This the whole idea of being flex flexible, uh, but also uh, that it uh, and whether whether it's uh, an essential workforce uh, for um, because of a pandemic. So it's really been it's your it's your your responsibility that you're for. Uh, for your to your employees, uh, also to your uh, customers and everything else that you that you can be called upon, you'll be you'll be there for them. Well, I, I know that 
so part of this goes back uh, uh, be, being flexible is certainly uh, a great words, but it really goes back to company vision. One of the things that I find with companies who are especially four or five generations out is, is that um, you don't really remember uh, Mr. John Bouchard in 1900, uh, born in 1835, and you've gone through several generations. But one question I'd like to ask is, what is uh, John Bouchard and Sons company vision? And, and uh, is it the same vision that was, uh, that was the vision of the company when Mr. Bouchard and his two sons started the company in Nashville? And how has, have you as the next generation really protected that vision of the founders uh, from over a century ago? Well, you know, we don't really think that in 1900, vision statements were, were common. <laughs> um, but I do see that um, living with a singular focus back then was perhaps what was necessary and a, a little more easy to clarify. I, I mean, when you were living with dirt roads and hand calculations, um, the vision to just deal honestly with each other, your customers, um, mentoring expertise was really, really core to who our people were and what they did. They, they passed down their skills um, with vigor to each other and still do. Um, and just doing the job right the first time. Mm -hmm has what's been repeated over and over. They, the people in our past seem to um, have been really focused on excellence, flexibility, and really providing turnkey solutions for their customers. So through all of that, what has surfaced um, at, really from our, the great people that we've had at JBS over all these years um, has been just the ideas of integrity and family um, quality and great service. Mm. So today, our vision really is just to keep our eyes on those values still, yeah. mm -hmm. and um, to steward that. That's what's been passed on to us, and we steward it through relationships and through our crafts and uh, through contributions to each other, to our customers, to our communities. Greg, Greg, I want to uh, tell a little story. Sure. Um, with that and uh, because, you know, um, Lisa's dad flew off to heaven back in 2015. And um, he was a, a very strong uh, individual. Um, he was a man of faith and uh, principle and values. And, and so uh, when you talk about the vision, um, kind of everybody just followed him. And um, after his passing, uh, when Lisa became chairman of the board, um, we were kind of struggling with this very question of, you know, in the, in the past number of years, as you've mentioned, mission, vision, and values are things that the companies have really tried to focus on. And so we started a whole process um, to say, first of all, you know, how are we going to define our mission when, as you listen to Carver and all these different things that we are tied into, and I mentioned the word infrastructure, and mm -hmm. uh, but Lisa really led us through a process of um, sorting through that, and we came to the conclusion that our 
our mission is building and sustaining hardworking infrastructure. And it's been very interesting how in some ways we're, we're like a lot of little companies that are all happen to be one company together because we're doing all these different things. And sometimes that's hard to, well, how do you unify that? And so creating that mission statement for us has really helped everyone see that they're a piece of this big picture puzzle of, of who we are as a company. And um, so that's really been helpful in this process. And, and along the way, we got to, well, what are our values? And Lisa mentioned that. And um, uh, to be honest, when we were going to discuss that, I personally was very concerned um, because going through business school, there were plenty of business cases of companies that had uh, taken on this effort and they had essentially from high up above in the corporate office come up with what their values are. Mm -hmm. And they announced that to the company. And then the truth is that may be what you hoped your values were, but it's not. And all the employees know it. And you've now created a disaster in your company because you've now got everybody, you know, talking yeah. about, you know, that that's not really the truth. So, so we went through a process where we actually asked our employees uh, a number of questions in an annual meeting. And uh, we had a consultant at the time and they took all those answers and they came back to us and they said, well, we've very rarely seen this, but your employees have told us what your values are. Mm -hmm. And they are what Lisa said, family, integrity, quality, and service. And um, it was just, you know, it was one of those rare moments where you get to realize that the employees are, are really listening to the things that you're trying to lead them into. Mm -hmm. And uh, you don't get a picture very often to know that, but that was one of those that was like, wow, they believe these are our values and these values are ones we can absolutely raise up and live behind. And that's started a process where we're now, we've now reviewed our own policies to make sure they line up with what our values are. And uh, it's, it's been just a great process of, of, of building the, the family, the company family of employees um, in, in, again, tying to this foundation, um, this story that we have and in the way that it's helped us to communicate that story has, has really been wonderful. Mm. Oh, wow. Yes. I think the, the, the word there is uh, you, you practice what you preach. <laughs> and I, exactly. I, think, I think that's so important. And it really sort of goes into the next question. question. You know, uh, one of the things that we've... Hey, hey Greg, let yes. me just mm -hmm. say to that very point that it helps to force us to practice what we preach, mm -hmm. which, is a, which is really a good thing to, to know that you know, we, we've got these values and we, we need to keep them up over the years. And so it's, right. it's been great for us, you know, all sides of that. Yeah. Well, that's, 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 it's so important. And also it, it's very commending that, that you can ask your team members um, and, and they, 
whether you told them or not, they were able to express them in your actions and in, in how the company does business. So that's really good. Well, I, I know uh, there's all kinds of studies out there uh, about uh, uh, data showing that only 4% of family-owned businesses make make it to the fourth generation and beyond. And of course, uh, Lisa's fifth generation, Carver's a, a sixth generation. Uh, and you've talked about uh, practicing what you pe preach as part of it, uh, being flexible, but is there anything else that you'd like to add to that, uh, the, the uh, Bouchard's uh, secret to longevity? Wow. Well, Greg, honestly, God seems to have designed a flow in the legacy of our company that keeps landing one heir at the top. Um, we really see that inheritance is about responsibility. Mm. Um, you have a lot of people that contribute, but the buck has to stop with one signature. Mm -hmm. So I've learned, though, that the that with the responsibility of inheritance, if you don't have freedom, um, you'll get choked. So my, my dad really held what was given to him with his hand open so that God could be in control, mm -hmm. even though it was in, you know, the work to do was in dad's hand. Mm -hmm. and that's really what he passed on to us. And he, he did it with the freedom of trust and without any dictates. I mean, when one of his last days here with me, um, he turned around and looked at the sign on the on the front of the company. He said, well, I guess you'll probably change the name of the company. Who are you? What are you? <laughs> I mean, that's that's how that's that's how free it was. So, he, was he was not a marketing guy. <laughs> <laughs> that's true, too. Strong engineer. <laughs> um, seriously, you know, he. He was only 35 years old when his dad died suddenly. And I think that being thrown the weight of that responsibility, especially in those years, there was a lot of turmoil going on in, in, in the business world that, that he was navigating. Um, and, and he had been taught and mentored also by, you know, men like the foundry foreman and pipe fitters and, and, these these real men with real skill and and they took care of each other and frankly some of the work was just literally dangerous so there was this beauty of trust and trustworthy people that and again you know i've already said we uh, we have a lot of really loyal people so um as their leader i think he, the freedom that he gave them to try new things with the responsibility of, of what they try being on them, that was the accountability of it. And, and then ultimately to him as the man at the top. Mm. Um, all of this, this sort of structure, this flow in trust was one of the real reasons for the JBS longevity. Mm. And then oh. practically speaking, like William said a minute ago, we're so diversified and we, we do thrive on innovation. We pivot constantly. Mm -hmm. um, we're able to morph, you know, and answer the changes in the markets and changes for our customers. Really, so, so much of what all our men are doing today is custom. It's they're out doing, they're, 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 they're at a problem and they are creating the solution to it right there. I mean, 
they're following engineers drawings, but a lot of times we are, we are customizing solutions. So we, we want to grow, continue to grow as slow pace to retain our quality and never lose the ability to serve our customers really well. We don't need to get big. We just need to be dependable. Um, and our, our philosophy really is that we always want to be invited back. <laughs> yep. oh, that, that's, that's great. That's great. Well, I can, I can see why your dad was comfortable uh, in your leadership <laughs> and, uh, um, and, uh, and, and also your comfort in not needing to change the name of the company on the sign out front. So I, I, I see that. But in fact, you are a woman-owned biz business, uh, and, and I know that's from, from a marketing standpoint and everything else, but uh, um, a little bit more about how did your dad really broach that topic of you becoming next generation? Were you working in the company at the time, or was this something that dad just said, hey, you're next in line, step up? Tell, tell, tell us a little bit more about that. Well, my, my answer is not textbook. <laughs> I, I have a paperweight on my desk at home and it says my father didn't tell me how to live. He lived and let me watch him do it. <laughs> um, I just got to watch his choices mm -hmm. and some of them failed and some of them missed their targets. But I saw my dad make very many beautiful, powerful choices. And I really, I think that was his best way to communicate. Mm -hmm. um, he never really fathomed any of his daughters working in the dirty, harsh, you know, mechanical contracting world. But um, like I said before, the stewardship being open with freedom, it has allowed me to come in and really decide to do what I, what I can. My husband is a very graceful, wise president, and he values, um, I guess, the balance that I can bring because our capabilities are completely different. Um, I can attest to that. <laughs> <laughs> complimentary. Complimentary, hopefully. And these days, it really seems like it just you need more hands to get the job done. Mm -hmm. So tell them a little bit about this, your story of of becoming a woman business enterprise because I think <clears throat> that is well right that, that really is an important part of our story our you know our current story so very honestly um I became owner of the company by inheritance but as I've said I was not trained for it when I started coming down here for months and months and months it was all I could do to go to walk through the door and smell the smell of the machine shop and not fall apart emotionally because that's what my dad smelled like to me when he would come home from work. So to understand this place without my dad, that took a huge learning curve for me personally. Then I had to understand honestly how they do business here. Then I had to understand how to be a compliment to the president and not be a wife. Mm -hmm. <laughs> in the office. Well, I'm still working on that. <laughs> you know, it's a process, not an event. <laughs> but um, as time well. went by, it, well. 
you know, I, I, I was honestly struggling. I mean, obviously my children are grown. I'm managing some, some other big projects, but I came to face the thought that becoming a woman business enterprise could really literally help our men. It, it, I, I saw it as if we got that certificate, these people that I've come to love and care about would would get a benefit from that. And once once that really became clear to me, I, I kind of couldn't walk away from it. So then I started the process of honestly grooming myself to meet, honestly meet the requirements of that certificate. And we walked through the process and we were, we were really set up for it. And um, it's a beautiful adventure. And we had some great counseling and I got, I got, we hired a consultant and she sort of really held my hand through it just to, to give me the confidence that we're going in the right direction. And we sailed through and we we're very glad to have the certificate. Okay. Well, again, another, another pivot uh, in the uh, history of the John Bouchard and Sons. So thanks hey, for Greg, sharing that. Greg, let me just say that um, it's been a really neat and wonderful process that that's happened over a 10 year period. So it was 10 years ago when, mm -hmm. when she became uh, the owner. And, you know, so this, this has not been something that just happened in the last couple of months. It's a, it's a decade um, process of her, you know, working through this. And that was, it was totally her decision to even decide to become more involved in the company. And, uh, but as, as, as we have grown, as we've faced the years um, after her uh, dad's passing, um, you know, the skills that, that she has brought, like I said, helping us with the whole vision, vision, uh, mission and values area and just other areas of the company and in our, uh, well, too numerous to mention, but um, it's just really been a neat process watching her grab a hold of this opportunity um, and um, you know as she said we have not we, we went this into this completely with our eyes wide open this is who we are this is how we operate and find out from the consultant and from uh, the state whether or not uh, we qualify and uh, it's it's really been neat to see that uh, that they have absolutely said you know yes you are a wonderful uh, woman business enterprise and so it's it's just a great new thing for the company that John Bouchard and Sons Company is now a woman business enterprise. That's great. That's great. And by the by the way, um, uh, Lisa, I, I grew up uh, in in our family business and worked with my dad for seventeen years. And we were a manufacturing company that had machine shops and and steel with oil on it and everything else. And uh, uh, my dad, when somebody would come in and say, what is that smell, uh, that machine oil, my dad would, would just uh, very frankly say, uh, well, that's the smell of money. So because uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> if there's no work going on, there's no machinery running or whatever, then there's the company or, or the family is not making making a living. Well, uh, when I work with family businesses, I they asked me about uh, uh, 
longevity of the business and, and transition, I said, there's only one thing that I can guarantee is that uh, we're going to transition whether we want to or not. Uh, uh, so um, uh, I know that Carver is there right now uh, as, as a next generation. How, how, does, how do you discuss family transition with uh, the next generation? Honestly, Greg, um, most of the time we tell Carver to swim quickly. We tend to throw him in the deep end of a situation that needs to be cleaned up or mm -hmm. needs a, a big innovative shift. Mm -hmm. he, he, learns, he learns well by doing. But if, if we have a comprehensive issue like um, considering how to expand our compressor business in, into Kentucky, into all of Kentucky. Mm -hmm. um, when that was on the table, we, we would just pull Carver in so that he can kind of audit the discussions that are going on and watch sure. how we handle the process. But um, another huge component I will have to tell you is that we probably learn as much from Carver as he learns from us. He has a he has a very interesting background in things that he's been exposed to and he has opened his um, he's opened his own heart and mind and learning to to everything that we would ever want to undergird this company so he probably needs to learn some things but um, <laughs> sure 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 but i need a raise is what you're saying <laughs> <laughs> uh, again yeah. it's a process and and and, and, and event there and uh and that's good so uh uh it's it's really important to do that well um uh i love the term swim quickly and and uh uh, listen and learn, whatever. And I know that uh, I think one generation you said that uh, uh, one of the Bouchards had to take on the company earlier than had been expected, and things yeah. happen. And so that's 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 a process of uh, when it's your turn to be called up, be be ready and be prepared. So, and I've gotten to know Carver well enough already to know. Uh, that uh, he he's very smart, very intelligent, and he's he's growing very well in that. Well, let's 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 move on with with that. Um, um, uh, what what advice would you offer to a mom or dad who's considering inviting their son or daughter to join in the family business? Uh, uh, William, what's your, what's your thoughts on that? So um, this may sound a little counterintuitive, but you know, that is a very delicate situation, mm -hmm. obviously. And so for us, uh, John Bouchard and Sons Company, and we had one son. So when Carver was in high school and even college, um, we actually did not let him work here. Mm -hmm. And um, because we felt within two weeks, somebody would say, oh, you're the next son. Oh, you're going to be my boss one day. So when I actually started working here, it actually happened the first day. Yeah. So. <laughs> okay, well, I might as well get it on the table quickly. <laughs> so, so we just thought, you know, in high school and college years, that's too much of a burden 
mm. really to put on him. And so we, we, that's one decision very clearly. We just put in the Lord's hands and mm -hmm. said, Lord, you work this out. If, if that's what you want, let him pursue. We never you know, discussed it with him. Yeah. We never discussed him working at the company. Right. Good. Well, I mean, we said he wasn't. <laughs> and uh, so he went off, but he did on his own decide he wanted to go to engineering school. And, and then he uh, followed a, uh, a path into uh, a fellows program, learning about faith and work. And, um, and actually at the end of that, which was a year after college, he called me one day and he said he was going to stay um, up in Washington for another year at a job. But he thought that he probably was going to want to come work for the company. But he realized he doesn't even know what we do. <laughs> and he, so he asked if he could spend a week um, when he was back in town at the company really learning what we do. And so um, I spent a day with him and then he went out in all the different uh, areas of the company and, and learned for a week the things we do. And at the end of the week said, you know, I, I think this is what I want to do whenever I come back to Nashville. And sure enough, uh, two years later, he called and, and said he, he was entering a job here. And, and when he came to work, he actually went through really a, an apprenticeship program himself and worked in the field in all of our different trades and our plumbing and pipe fitters and sprinkler fitters and electricians and machinists and air compressor service and foundry operations so that uh, he spent about, I don't know, three and a half years doing all of that, um, which really helped him a couple of things, see what we do, but he also proved himself to a lot of people. And um, he's reaping the benefits of that today now that he has his He's really in the middle of his first management position, co-leading co our machine shop. So, so all that I would say is be delicate with that. Other family members that over the generations, there have been years when family members that shouldn't have worked here were working here. And, you know, it was hard getting them to leave. But, and so if you have family members who aren't pulling their weight, that's gonna hurt the company. And so um, Lisa mentioned uh, our brother-in-law. Well, I haven't said that yet, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but we, our, our brother-in-law does work here and he is absolutely one of the best project managers we have. That's great. Um, yeah. So what we're always telling him is to just keep doing what he's doing. Mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. uh, we, you know, he's a huge asset. Okay. So you've got, you've got to be ready because Obviously, if you hire a family member and then if you end up having to let them go, that becomes a family problem. <laughs> right, right. And so you just, you know, just got to work through these things very delicately and very openly and honestly, um, you know, so that it ultimately is the benefit for the company, which it's got to be a benefit for the company, as well as, you know, uh, uh, another benefit, you know, for the family. Mm. Oh, well, thank you very much uh, for, for, for sharing that because it is a huge responsibility. Well, uh, we're, we're coming to the end of our, our uh, 
great time today. We could talk on for hours and hours about about uh, your family, and uh, uh, I enjoy the relationship that I have with you. But what are some closing thoughts you'd like to share with our listeners before we before we close out here today? Well, um, earlier you talked a little bit about, I guess you said, how do we protect the vision of our company? Mm-hmm. And um, on top of everything we've already said, really what we over, over all of that, what we said, we're really looking to protect that very idea of work itself. And we're trying to continue to learn what that is, the depth of that, I guess, Um, because we know that God ultimately made work, gave work to mankind so that man would be fulfilled and, and have belonging in his work. So being part of that work is, again, what brings us into the bigger story than just my little daily life mm-hmm. or what's on my desk. And, and again, that's another way, going back to that big concept, is another way that we keep from getting into the weeds or keep getting distracted just by profit or, you know, prevent ourselves from looking at a bottom line rather than a, than a person. The other thing I'd say is um, not to wear it out, but what my dad would, what, what, what people around here are always reminding me that my dad said, especially if I'm kind of having a negative moment, which I shouldn't be doing, they'll always look at me and say, it's not a problem. It's an opportunity. <laughs> uh, that sounds very familiar. <laughs> Well, well, sometimes they're big opportunities. Big opportunities, <laughs> right? They're big opportunities. Well, Lisa, William, uh, uh, Carver, thank you for being my guest on on our uh, Family Business Day podcast. I just want to uh, uh, please accept our best wishes for continued success for you and for John Bouchard and Sons uh, Company, and uh, uh, I look forward to continuing the conversation. Thank you so Thanks much, Greg. So thank you for the opportunity. To learn more about John Bouchard and Sons, visit their website at www.jbouchard.com. To our listeners, thank you for joining us for the Family Business Day podcast, brought to you by the Tennessee Center for Family Business located in Nashville, Tennessee. Our passion is to help families create a positive environment where the family thrives, the business performs, and working together, they create a lasting family legacy. Whether you're a business owner looking to grow your family business or you're wanting to prepare to someday sell or transition the business to the next generation, check out our free resources on our website at www.tncfb.com. If you want to talk to a family business advisor about your specific family business needs, schedule a 30-minute no-cost call by sending us an email to info at tncfb.com. If you want to talk, We will listen. So until next time, thanks for joining us.